0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Horror Fiends podcast. This is, uh, I believe this is episode 26, right, guys? 26? Yeah, oh, no, no, this is 25. This is 25. I'm sorry. Welcome to the uh, quarter century mark of the Horror Fiends podcast. Uh, I'll be your host tonight. I'm John. As always, I'm joined by the two steady mainstream hosts we got over here, uh, Conservative Sauce and Liberal Chris. How are we doing, guys?
1: (laughs) Doing great. Ready to take on my
2: conservative views today.
0: That's right. And well, liberal Chris. How are yeah, you doing?
2: I'm in uh I'm in Spain right now, but the S is silent. That's how I'm doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we will be discussing the twenty twenty one horror movie Antlers today. Um, I don't know how popular this movie was. I know for a fact it's a it's definitely a new movie and it's definitely a COVID movie, and it got like a big theatrical release and everything like that, but not really a movie that garnered a whole lot of hype, um, other than the fact that it was like the only movie at the show, which is why I added it to this list when I was watching horror movies back in 2021. There was like one new one that came out, and it was this one. Um, And uh, I don't know. Have you guys, this is the first time watch for you guys, correct? You guys haven't seen it before? Yep. No. Okay. I have watched this one single time before, um, shortly after it was released on streaming. Um, and I remember being a little bit hyped about this because it had Guillermo del Toro all over it. And the trailer for this was actually pretty cool. Um, it was sort of like a, I don't know, they were definitely hyping up the monster portion of it. And, um, it seemed pretty cool to have like a Wendigo story, which is a cool mythical creature that I've always liked. Um, whether or not it actually delivers on that, I don't actually... We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but it is described as a supernatural horror film directed and co-written by Scott Cooper, starring Carrie Russell, Jesse Plummins, Jeremy T. Thomas Graham Greene, and Scott Hayes. Um, it's set in the... Well, actually, hang on. Before I get into any further details here, let me slow down. Um, for those who are new to the podcast, um, we... Here at Horror Fiends, usually follow a format where we talk about the movie poster, um, give it a score. We have a running uh, rating of all the horror movie posters. This is number 25, of course, that we have reviewed. Um, And then we go into a spoilers section. So if you haven't seen the movie and you're interested in watching it, um, you can skip right through that part. If you just want to know about the movie um, and get our initial thoughts, that's fine. Um, And then we go into a breakdown of the the villain the giuseppe of the movie who we always explain uh, a little bit later if you want to know what giuseppe is and uh let me go through our favorite scenes and uh give the movie a final score and uh chris usually takes us through with some spooky trivia at the very end um and then we will be announcing what movie we'll be covering next week who is the winner of our marble pool which some people may be very excited to hear which movie finally won so uh without further ado i will take us into the movie poster segment of the show and uh i have to say with this uh particular movie poster um it very much is what the movie is called there's just a shit ton of antlers that are everywhere and uh a couple of them are rather bloody at the tips implying some sort of nefarious antlers these are not your run-of-the-mill antlers if you will um And right in the middle of it is the main character, Lucas, who is covering his eyes with his hands. Um, And we just see in red text uh, antlers in kind of a spooky font. Um, I don't know if there's anything else to touch on other than that it's very dark. It looks like he's in kind of like a cave or something like that from the looks of the walls there. I might be wrong on that. But um, I think for me, this is a this is a mid to bad movie poster i i think it's kind of cool in the fact that it's it's antlers and the movie's about antlers but other than that i don't really think there's a whole lot of really funny or scary stuff going on here so i i'm feeling a a 2.4 on this movie poster i'd say slightly underwhelming um chris i will flip it to you next what are your thoughts on this on this poster here
2: yeah you know i'm My liberal views, I'm on the other side of the fence as you, John. Um, (laughs) I actually like this one. I think it's pretty cool. It is simple. There's really not much going on. You get the title in red, and there's no tagline or anything like that. But I just kind of like the whole chaos of it, really. There's, like, so many antlers going every which way. And the way that the boy who is shown is kind of, like, covering his face. You know, he's really scared. So I think this is one of the better ones that we've talked about. And I want to give it a 3.6. Ooh, three sixer. Very nice sauce what are your thoughts on on this antler
1: fuckery uh i think i probably fall somewhere in between the two of you guys i think it's uh, a decent movie poster compared to some of the other ones we've seen we see some real shitters but i like all the antlers going on and our main character lucas there covering his face i think it's uh represents the movie pretty well but it's also pretty basic so i'll give it like a, a
0: 3.1 3.1 all right very nice um that gives us an aggregate score. I remember I've my math has been failing me very much in the last couple episodes. But that will give us an aggregate score of a 3.0 for this movie poster, which is uh, mid but decent. Um, I will accept your answer, Chris. I do think like you can think that this is pretty cool. But for me, it's just kind of mid. It's, different. Um, it's definitely different. It's definitely a modern movie poster, too. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Now we will transition into the spoiler portion of the podcast. I will do a brief summarization of the events that happen in the movie. I know that there are some people out there that don't really care about watching it, and they just want to hear it told to them very fast, and then hear a discussion about it after. And some people want to hear it, but I'm going to try to keep it very brief. I don't think that this particular plot is all that particularly long, and I don't think it's all that crazy, but um, here we go. So the movie originally opens up um, very picturesque uh, shots of the town of Cispus Falls, which is located in central Oregon. Um, and right away we're introduced to this uh, character. It's kind of in his thirties. He's this guy named Frank Weaver, who uh, has his one of his sons, uh, who's about seven, named Aiden. Uh, we're introduced to those two right away. The dad is going to work in an abandoned, uh, act of mine mine shaft and uh he's going down there and down there he meets walter white and uh they're making meth in this mine and uh it's kind of introduced that while they're down there that there's some sort of like weird noises going on and eventually that they're that they these two fuckheads get attacked by an unseen creature and there's all sorts of uh monster vibes going on and Uh, Aiden, the son, goes to go check in on his dad, who's down in the mine, and then we get a cut to black, and then we get the, uh, initial movie credits, that you just get antlers shoved right in your face. Um, from there, we have a transition. Um, a couple weeks later, we're introduced to, uh, Frank's other son, Aiden's brother, named Lucas Weaver, um, who sort of right away, we're introduced, he's kind of like this very lonely, very thin, uh, little boy, who's basically just roaming town, gathering up all the roadkill he can find, killing small animals and and taking them back to his house. Um, Then we're kind of introduced to this teacher whose name is uh, Julia, Julia Meadows, who uh, recently has moved back to her childhood home in Oregon in this town, and uh, she is Lucas's teacher. Um, She kind of realizes that this kid Lucas has... Um, I don't know. This kid's fucked up. Basically, um, this kid's drawn like very frightening like illustrations while he's in class, and uh, she picks up on this and sort of tries to uh, to bond with him. And she sort of realizes that this kid is being abused. She suspects he's being abused. Lucas tells like the story about his dad and his brother living in a cave and how they don't have any food and that they're basically living, like, a painful life. Um, so, again, she kind of... Uh, also, there's this weird backstory that we can talk about a little bit later about this teacher and her dad being abusive towards her. So she naturally kind of sees it in this kid who she suspects is being abused by his father. Um, then we got to get introduced to this brother, this cop brother named Paul, who is also from Breaking Bad, who... Th- Coincidentally, is also from Breaking Bad. Um, and this guy is a cop who used to live with the abusive father uh, and is basically sort of strung along through the plot. It's kind of like this weird side character, in my opinion, this this cop played by Jesse Plemons. Um, uh, later, um, Julia visits Lucas's home. She sort of like impromptu follows him home, and she starts hearing strange sounds from inside um then we show a bit of a flashback back at frank's house showing that frank did indeed survive whatever attack happened down in this mine shaft at the start of the movie in the opening scene um and basically sort of tells lucas that he's going to keep himself and his brother locked in this room and that they're not right and that they're sick um and no matter what do not let us out lucas uh basically has to provide for his brother and his dad and they sort of use animal carcasses to keep his brother and his dad alive um and they're very much like feral like his the rest of his family in this house like they are not doing well um a little bit later we have another transition to frank's uh accomplice walter white who is in the woods and is discovered by uh an old former sheriff his name's warren um paul and warren Polycop and Warren later discover the other part of Frank's accomplice in the mine along with part of an antler. Um, back at school, Julia pressures the principal, Ellen into visiting Lucas's house and, and talking to Frank. principal, for some reason, goes to their house, goes in there, unlocks Frank and Aiden, and uh, Frank immediately dispatches this principal. It was actually a pretty funny kill, in my opinion, just because something about the principal dying just was... Funny to me. We'll talk about that later. Um, then, we have a really interesting shot of Frank sort of transitioning, like, literally like antlers like start popping out of his mouth after he kills this principal. Um, sort of implying that he's sort of becoming into a, an antler creature. Um, and then, sure enough, a little bit later, this school bully uh, whose name is Clint, uh, he's shown earlier in the movie, sort of picking on Lucas, comes to Uh, Lucas's house to apparently just pick on him some more and uh let's just say that the antler creature just absolutely destroys uh the little boy sort of off screen um a little bit later Ellen the principal is reported missing um Julia finds Ellen's car at the house uh police arrive discover the principal's body along with Frank's which is now just a charred husk um Aiden, meanwhile, the little brother is nowhere to be found. When Lucas returns home, uh, Julia takes him into the hospital with Paul, where they learn that he's severely malnourished, dehydrated, and has been looks almost like he's been whipped and abused for quite some time now. Um, Julia then decides to just take Lucas in while her dad is MIA, and there was a murder in his house. So, um, The next day, Lucas recovers in the hospital. Julia and Paul go to Warren, this police, or the former police sheriff, and uh, they show him Lucas's drawings. Warren uh, says, oh, that thing's a wendigo, which is a uh, Native American demon that appears as a deer-like monster that uh, eats a lot of things and can get passed from person to person. Um, it can only be killed when it's at its weakest, when it's feeding, and you have to extinguish its beating heart. So yeah, a little bit of mythology lore kind of thrown in there hand-handedly in this movie. And then uh, later that night, they discover the little boy's body. Um, Lucas gets discharged from the hospital. He learns that his father is dead. Um, He tells Julia that Frank, in antler form, is coming for him uh, and will take him down to the mine to be with his brother. Um, Frank then uses Aiden to lure paul's fellow sheriff dan outside and uh dan gets obliterated by frank the antler monster um then julia and lucas they hide while paul is badly wounded lucas escapes to the mine julia and paul follow after them armed with a pistol uh inside the mine julia discovers lucas and aiden sees that frank has indeed become a demon that basically is a wendigo at this point And is feasting on the body of a dead black bear. And then uh, she decides to engage in combat with the Wendigo. And uh, she defeats it, which some of you might think is ridiculous. Um, And it is. And then a little bit later, um, Lucas decides to. Well, Lucas kind of dodges the whole thing, covers his eyes. And then we sort of hear Aiden, the little boy, sort of, you know, like screeching a little bit, like ravenously. And. It sort of implied that the Wendigo spirit was transitioned from Frank, the father, into Aiden. Uh, Julia decides to extinguish Aiden at the source and just kills him right in front of his little brother, which was actually a pretty sad scene. Um, but supposedly that was the end of the curse, the Wendigo curse. Um, then we sort of have a closing credits scene where Paul and Julia, they're they're with... Aiden, they're still in town... Or, I'm sorry, with uh, Lucas in town. Uh, They have a little bit of a discussion about... You know, the worry about Lucas... Turning into this Wendigo creature. And then, right before we get a little fade-to-black action... We see that uh, Paul starts coughing up a nasty black bile. Just like Frank did when he was first possessed by the demon. Implying that it moved into... Jesse from Breaking Bad. So... That is the plot summary. Um... Is there anything important there,
1: Saucer Chris, that I missed that you want to call out? Nothing that I got, unless you have something, Chris. I think, John, you pretty much covered about the main notes of the movie or the main points.
2: Yeah, I thought that was was good, John. We did a good job of kind of getting right through the plot there. So, no, I'm probably going to add some more once we get into some more in-depth thoughts about scenes and scores. Yep. All right. Well... I will just go out and say that, um,
0: on the second watch, um, I thought that the movie is pretty nicely paced. I feel like it doesn't really seem out of place at any point. I will say, I think the vibe is generally kind of slow. Like the first act I think is actually pretty darn good. And the setup is pretty good. And I was totally bought into the premise. Um, I remember on my first watch in particular, I thought this is going to be a great movie, uh, after the first act. Um, then we got to get into the second act when we spend a lot of time with this teacher and her backstory, which, in my opinion, never truly pays off. It feels like they start something with the abuse thing with her father that never quite gets resolved or comes to play other than the fact that she kind of sympathizes, explains why she's so attached to Lucas. Um, and then there's this other half-baked explanation of what the Wendigo is—that just kind of gets thrown in there from the old sheriff, Native American guy. Um, the lore of the creature never really matters, other than the fact that you have to extinguish its heart. In my opinion, um, I don't know those two. Those two elements of the second act, to me, I guess the that part, the one with the sheriff, is almost the third act by that point. But I don't know. It just seems very out of place and like kind of like they wanted it to be something and then they never really followed it up i w- did you guys have that impression at all
2: yeah i did kind of feel like some of the stuff with uh the teacher julia just kind of never really mattered um yeah. abuse stuff yeah it made sense because that was kind of a, a reoccurring theme of you know children being abused and how that kind of affects them long term but there's this other aspect of julia that they hint at like two or three times and that that I guess she's like a struggling alcoholic, like she keeps going to the store and looking at bottles of liquor and just like having to shake her head no and like walk out. And it just served nothing to the movie. Like they never dove into that, never gave any reason for why she was, um, you know, a struggling alcoholic and then it just kind of went away. So I don't know why they felt they needed to add that in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, There was also like this weird aspect of I I actually really like this about the first act is that we open up with a lot of shots of like abandoned mining and we sort of, the opening I should say the very opening scene is like a poem spoken by like a Native American talking about how we have pillaged Mother Earth and Mother Earth fights back or something like that kind of implying the Wendigo is like a manifestation or like a penalty for the actions of, you know sort of like mining resources natural resources stuff like that I actually thought making a horror movie out of that is actually a pretty unique idea I just feel like they don't truly ever quite develop that enough with I think like the Wendigo doesn't really follow that up much like they hint at it very early and there were just lots of good ideas thrown and also like the drug culture it, it, out west is like a big deal with meth and, and painkillers but mostly meth And um, that, I mean, they they have the meth lab and they sort of imply that this town is incredibly poor and, you know, the town is struggling. I think there's a lot of very unique and cool ideas going on at the start, but they don't ever connect it well enough with the Wendigo. And I feel like that kind of severely hurts the movie. Like if they had followed it up better, it could have made a really interesting point and used sort of like this mythical creature to sort of say, this is, you know, this is what's going on. And to me, I it just feels incomplete. I feel like this movie feels incomplete for that reason. Um, I thought in general, like the camera shots in this movie, like the cinematography in this movie was fantastic. I thought like a lot of the shots were, were very beautiful and the camera work was really nice and it was technically very good. But the the content of the movie, like some of the choices made in the plot to follow this teacher i think really just like held it held it quite back and uh i just there are a lot of people complain about the cop in this movie paul and they think he's a terrible actor in this and he kind of could could care less about this particular role what did you guys think about him anything in particular did he strike you any certain way
1: I can without giving my my final thoughts. I just think between the cop and all the actors in general, I thought they stunk. Really. I thought, I thought all the acting was terrible in this movie. Oh, wow. Just this his cast
2: of characters was just rubbed me the wrong way. Interesting. <laughs> um, For the cop, this is I was going to bring it up in the spooky trivia, but I'll say it now cuz it's topical. Um this is actually the third time he's played a sheriff in a movie, which I just find funny. So he just keeps getting Cast it as a sheriff cop guy. Is typecast cop? Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think I necessarily thought he was bad, but he was definitely forgettable. I guess would be the best way to say it. Like it seemed like his role was to be somebody who just like doesn't seem to care about much that's going on around him. Like he, he's got his own shit that all he cares about, and trying to make sure he is just staying calm and like everything else going on around him, he just kind of doesn't take too seriously almost.
0: Right. Interesting. I. I thought the cop wasn't great. I thought Jesse Plemons was not very good, and I know he's a good actor because he was literally—I remember him from Breaking Bad. He was, he was much skinnier, and he kind of played like a very interesting character. And I'm like, oh, cool, he's in this. But yeah, he—he he did not bring any any energy to to his to his role at all. I thought the teacher was all right, but she did not blow my socks off in any particular scene. Um, and I thought the the child actors were surprisingly pretty decent i mean the the one little boy aiden was pretty forgettable in my opinion yeah. lucas had to do a lot of the work in this one but um he didn't i wouldn't say he it's the best performance i've ever seen but he didn't really offend me um
2: the kids but, john i i i did not like the youngest kid aiden i did not like what they had him doing and like he i guess tried his best with it you know mm-hmm. but i thought you know Lucas himself, he was serviceable, but he kind of fell off at the end. Like, I thought he actually, like, it was very believable that he was playing a very broken child who's been abused and is seeing some weird shit going on around him. Like, he's out here picking up carcasses and feeding them to his dad and his brother. So, like, he seemed very disassociated while also, like, maintaining some normality. And I liked that. And then kind of as the second stage went on and the third, it was just all the same, and there was never a change in his character. So I, I particularly kind of didn't like Lucas by the end of it, really.
0: Oh, really? Okay. That's interesting. See, I thought I thought this movie kind of failed at making me care about these characters, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, that's, that's a good point. I, I pitied the kid in the beginning with the good setup, the good first act. Um, but there was no other build-up or real moment other than maybe the scene where uh, the, the teacher has to kill the little brother um, that I thought was kind of emotionally powerful. To me, I thought it was kind of flat in terms of the, the emotional connection. Um, and all the scenes that happened in the classroom, I'm just going to say, I thought they kind of were bad. Yeah. Um, they have like mythology written on the whiteboard, which is like how I know that's a trope to like write the, the message of the movie in the classroom on the board. It's like a very common thing in horror movies, but that was just blatant, just thrown on there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't really say a whole lot of good things about any particular scene in this movie. Um, I thought the gore was pretty good. Um, and I thought the kills were pretty decent. And I thought the monster was, was kind of cool, but you don't ever really get a great look at him. Um, what are you guys thoughts on the monster?
1: I agree. I think it's good. They just didn't show very much of it outside of Frank being possessed by it a little bit, but it was never really like fully shown. I thought they could have done a lot more with it.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I, w- I would disagree a little bit. Yeah. It's like for a while, they kind of, for basically for the first half of the movie, they want to have that element of mystery. So they only caught like flashing glimpses, mostly of just like antlers, you know, you never see a face or anything or how big the thing is. Right. And then the first time you really see it is when Clint was at, the house or whatever, like they're by the train tracks and it just attacks Clint. That was kind of our first reveal of the monster. You still only get a little bit of it. Uh, I just, I think it was really cool. I think the concept of like Wendigos are cool. And I think they did a pretty good job of portraying it. Yeah. Especially, especially at the end when they're in the mineshaft and you could see that like the beast is wearing Frank's skin face, like on top of its own. Like, actually I like that a lot. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I know that I know what scene you're thinking about. It actually was a pretty cool design in my yeah. opinion. Um but in general, I mean, I think it might be a I might not be the correct audience for monster movies. Um I definitely prefer more realistic realistic based. I mean, this is definitely a realistic based movie, but with a with an antler's creature, I feel like they did a decent job of designing it. I just wish that there was I think I'm trying to hint that I'm not satisfied with the backstory and the lore behind the monster because it was supposed to connect to environmental problems or maybe it's supposed to punish people who are abusive or it's supposed to symbolize something. And I feel like I never really got any type of answer as to what the monster means or what the director's trying to use the monster to mean. Um, so yeah. Okay.
2: I um, do feel like John were, we're starting to beat around the bush a little bit, you know, cause we're, yeah, we're gonna, yeah. I want to, want to get into some of the stuff I want to talk about with my score. So, okay. Well, really well could... I don't really
0: have anything else to say. I'm just in my head thinking of, is, is there any other part of this movie that's worth talking about? Well, we, we into... can talk
2: about specific scenes now and maybe something will kind of jog your memory. Cause you said yourself that you were struggling to find something that stood out to you, but you got to pick one. So. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, I think let's go ahead and let's, let's start off with an easy category first. Let's try to name a villain for this movie. Um, I think Frank or the Wendigo would be the, the two main picks.
1: Um, you yeah. don't even be able to classify those together. Yeah. yeah,
2: I would like. I wouldn't put Frank down like how we write the our villains down. I would just put Wendigo because the spirit yeah. was there before Frank. It took over Frank. Then it tried to take over Aiden. Now it's going to take over Paul. So it's really just the Wendigo spirit is 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 causing all of this chaos, and it's not specific to one person frank himself you kind of you are led to believe he's a very shitty person for like the first two acts first hour of the movie that like he's a terrible father he's abusing his kids you almost come like obviously he was cooking meth and his kid was around so that's not good he's not a good okay. guy he's a piece you, of shit but you almost find out you you gain a little sympathy for him once they do a flashback and they show hey kids like i'm sick lock me in here don't let me out no matter what and then yeah. like so he, he almost kind of redeems himself a little bit there to kind of show that he's really not the villain. He's just a victim of circumstance, actually. Right,
0: right. And they also sort of imply with, with Lucas's wounds that he may have been abused in the past. Correct. But I don't know if that could be... You can't really say for sure it was it was Frank that was right. abusing him or if it was the Wendigo virgin right. Frank.
2: Did it all just start the three weeks ago when they got attacked in the mine in the opening yeah. scene? Well, maybe that's yep. all that it, that it took.
0: Yep. Okay, well, I think we can book the Wendigo as the villain of this movie. Um, now I think we could go into Giuseppe, which this movie has little to no comedy at all in it throughout the whole runtime, which made me put me in a very precarious position when I was trying to vote for my Giuseppe. So I will, I will kick it over to you guys and see if you guys would like to nominate any Giuseppes.
2: Well, I'm struggling too, but I'll I guess I'll throw some names out there. You could make a conversation about Paul. He's pretty minor and he's just kind of almost kind of looks like one in some weird way. He's kind of got yeah. that mustache and just got a blonde mustache. A little bit of a round guy, you know, yep. um, I, other than him, I would almost just say Clint, the, uh, the bully kid from the school. Yeah. He provides a little bit of humor and he's just kind of a goofball and causing trouble at school. So I'm yep. going to say my real votes for Clint. Yeah. That's fair. Sauce. Who do
0: you think?
1: Um, I agree with Chris. Maybe the only one he can throw in there. What was the name of the second cop?
0: Dan. Dan. Yeah,
1: he's a maybe good option. I mean, he kind of at the end there, he went into the shed and just went out in kind of a funny way. He just got cleated by the <laughs> antlers. You know? like maybe that. him. But I agree. There's just not very much comedy at all in this movie whatsoever. If yeah, there literally, I can't think of anything that was. Funny about this movie, other than how people are dying, they're getting cleated by this deer-looking creature, the Wendigo. So
0: yeah, I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk it up to uh, to Dan the cop just because he died pretty funny. Paul and, Paul was my initial vote, but he doesn't do anything funny, and no. he's kind of a main character by the end of it because he becomes the Wendigo.
2: And we've we've kind of said how Paul is not the best of actors in this particular role for some of us thought. So uh, yeah. His case and Dan, some of his call outs on the radio to Paul when he's like patrolling their house were kind of funny. He was like, I think there's something out here, I think it's in your shed. Like, yeah, yeah no, shit, buddy, he just did a terrible job of it. So, yeah. I, I he was my second choice for Lieutenant Dan. All right, Lieutenant Dan,
0: <laughs> he's been booked. <laughs> um, all right, so it's kind of Dan. weak Giuseppe in this movie. We should also, I, I told everyone, I would tell you what a Giuseppe is. So, a Giuseppe, for those who don't know, is a character who is often a male well so far they're all male leads and um and they're not leads there's male characters and their sole existence is almost just to be discarded or dispatched in, in a funny way or they offer something to sort of distract from the horror of the movie and uh maybe one of the reasons why this movie kind of feels a little bit uh tedious is because there are zero moments of any sort of levity and I think the director was setting out just to make a very dark movie. And I think he yeah. accomplished that, um, but it makes naming Giuseppe pretty difficult. So we'll name we'll name Dan a, a very weak Giuseppe. So, all right, Chris, now we will get into favorite scenes here. Um, as I was saying earlier, I think this one's kind of, it, it might be a, a bit difficult to pick from. Not in the fact that there's a lot of good scenes, but I think that there are kind of a lot of forgettable expositionary scenes in this movie. Um, so I will, I will throw it over to you to start with. Cause I think you might be, you might have one in mind.
2: Um, yeah. I'm, I'm happy thinking? to take a pick of the litter here. Cause there, there really isn't that much, but there is some good ones. So I'm happy to, to go first here. I'm going to, I'm between two. Um, one of them being pretty much the, the end there where Julie discovers the, uh, the Wendigo in the mine and you kind of see it eating and then it slowly kind of turns, turns its body and you see the face of Frank over the face of the, of the beast. And then it kind of like peels it off as it goes to attack or whatever. I really like that. I just think the monster, that was like some of the best visuals of the movie is, is seeing how it actually looks in its full form as it's, you know, standing up on its hind legs and and making itself look big. Um, But I would rather actually go for, for one of the, best kill scenes in the movie I think and that would be uh old principal booth getting uh she gets like she gets attacked by Frank up in the attic of the house and then he like jumps on top of her is like pinning her down he like grabs her arm and like bites her wrist some blood splatters everywhere it's cool then he like bites her neck and uh, even more blood comes flying out and then he just takes a big old bite out of like her cheek or something. It's, like thrashing his head back and forth. You see like the piece of skin flapping around. I like that one a lot. So I, I think uh, Frank going to town on on Ellen Booth is gonna be my pick.
0: Yep, it's a good one. That is a very good choice, Chris. Pretty, pretty um, good
2: build up to it as well. Like you get her going in the house. She knocks, and classic horror movie. You knock on the door, and it slowly creaks open on its own.
0: Yeah, that was your traditional horror scene. I would say. I, I,
2: I typically not a fan of that. This movie, I don't think I really particularly like that. But then she's kind of exploring the house. You can hear the muffled screams or like whines of Aiden, and she comes across the door that's locked from the inside of the house, which is very off-putting. Like that, it's just the classic where this person takes it upon themselves to keep going further, even though there's like a bajillion red flags as to why. Like maybe I should just right. go call the cops, and I could probably get the, get them a case to come in here. So. You know, I did kind of like the build-up, up. But it was decently suspenseful, and yeah. the kill scene was pretty good, pretty damn yeah. good.
0: That's definitely a good choice there. Um, Sauce, I will throw it to you next. Is there any scenes that you would like to nominate?
1: Sure. Um, I agree, Chris. I like the the principal death scene. That was a pretty good one, pretty graphic too. Um, some other scenes that stood out to me. Definitely the the very ending scene when the the little brother Aiden right. How, how he gets killed, that was kind of upsetting. So that scene stood out to me. Um, another good scene was when it was kind of first revealed with Frank, when Lucas is going to feed Frank, there's like a big jump scare. He just attacks the, the plate of the, the carcass meat. Oh, yeah. i a big jump scare. That was a, a pretty good one. Um, and then also the the opening scene, I think, was pretty good. So those are kind of the three that are on my mind, but... I was gonna pick one probably I'll say the one that stood out to me the most is probably Aiden getting killed so yeah I'll choose that one
0: Aiden getting killed right in front of his brother by the teacher I'll write that in there into the official note alright well you guys took the only two scenes that I really liked in this movie so um I will probably go with uh well let me just think of, of all the scenes that kind of stood out to me. It was those two. I thought that the uh, the one I thought they were just in general. I think there's not one scene in particular, but I thought there was just some really nice shots of what Oregon looks like um, with lots of hills. Like there are a lot of beautiful lakes, sort of up against like the backdrop of like green hills. And at the same time, I feel like there was a, a point being made with how ugly the mines are sort of built into a very, like, nature, natural state, um, I could say that, I thought that the one scene in the hospital where he's kind of, it's revealed that Aiden's been abused, or, again, I wish there's a little more backstory as to, was his dad really abusing him, or was it just the monster version that caused that to happen, um, yeah, I don't really want to nominate any of those scenes, um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to the one scene in the shed, um, I I think that the shed the shed kill with Dan Dan the cop was was pretty suspenseful and again it's sort of like another one of your only looks at the Wendigo creature um I'll probably throw that as my my favorite scene even though it's not really one of my favorite scenes um I think for sure it's the the Wendigo reveal actually Chris I think you kind of have the right idea um yeah, I'll throw it to that one, and I I, I really like uh the the principal getting obliterated. That was definitely top of my list. I thought that was like a very good horror scene, no matter what movie you're watching. I feel like they did that quite well, and the fact that it's the principal isn't done very often, like a woman principal, uh, like an older woman principal. Like it wasn't some hot chick getting obliterated. It was kind of different. Um, yeah, I'll throw it. I'll I guess I'll I'll nominate the shed scene. Um, so yeah, I'll do it for favorite scenes. Um, now, I think that just leaves us, uh, final score, overall score. Um, I think if you guys don't mind, I will lead us off. Um, I think in general, this movie has a good idea, a good concept with the one to go sort of being set out West and there's a bit of a native backstory to it. There's a bit of environmental aspect going to it, but they never really build around it there's an abuse backstory going on with the teacher and a little boy and it's sort of t- there's probably something to be said about what the meth culture does for abuse and how it sort of can ravage a town and make it look so dead and dark like the rest of this movie i think that is probably what the director's getting at which is a good point i just feel like it's not done well enough and the second act in this is pretty dreadful in terms of the on-screen exposition and sort of wasted time with the teacher, not really making a connection with any of the characters on screen. Um, I feel like that really holds this movie back and sort of makes it a bit of a slog. And then when you when you finish it, for me, it's like, well, yeah, that movie happened, but it, it didn't really stay with me all that much. It was just kind of cool creature designs and a couple cool kills, and that's really all it had behind it. Um, the cinematography was great. I'm not going to take anything away from that. I thought it's a very beautifully well-shot movie. Um, Good camera work. The acting, there was definitely a miscast cop here. It's funny that he constantly gets casted as a cop. Maybe he's just had enough of it at this point. Um, But yeah, he fucking Paul was a waste of time. Um, The ending of the movie, did you guys, I mean, I'll open it. You guys can say in your thoughts, but I didn't really care that Paul was the one to go now. Like I didn't. I wasn't uh, sad. I was not uh, impressed or really surprised. I just kind of was like, oh, that was whatever type of ending. Kind of a typical ending. Um, It's supposed to be a twist, but it's probably the most predictable twist that you can think of. Um, So, I mean, overall, I think the movie's fine. I don't think it's offensive, but at the same time, I don't think it's very memorable, um, which is probably the worst thing you can be as a movie. So I'm I'm feeling for this movie. I think I'm going to give this one like, a 2.3 like pretty i would say average to below average movie with a good thought and a ton of potential but they ultimately just fumbled the bag on this concept and it could have been so much cooler so um i will pass this one next to mr sauce and uh tell the people what you think of antlers
1: nice well i will start off with some of the things i did like i don't just want to shit on the movie the whole time. Obviously you guys are kind of get, getting my drift. I didn't think it was a great movie and definitely not memorable was my overall takeaway from it. But some of the things that were good, definitely the cinematography, like you said, John, a lot of cool scenes. Uh, there were a, a few good kill scenes, like the principal, um, the ending um, kind of stuck with me with killing Aiden. But other than that, um, you know, there's just not much very memorable for me in this movie. Like, I said that the acting just didn't, it just rubbed me the wrong way between Frank. I didn't like what they were doing with the teacher. Like we kind of talked about how they kind of, they touched on the, the alcoholism thing with the teacher, which that didn't make sense. And then just the, like the classroom scenes and stuff like that and all the in-between. So the second act just kind of dragged for me. Um, so between that and the bad acting, it just was kind of really a, a tough watch right in the middle. So beginning and the end were good, but all the parts in the middle were just not very good for me. And um yeah, like I just in general, with the three of us talking about it, like it just doesn't seem like we had a ton here in summary that was standing out to us. So that's usually a pretty bad sign for the movie. So, yeah. um, Johnny, you kind of really took the score out of my mouth. I was going to give it a 2.3, but the more I'm talking about it, I'm going to give it just under that. I'll give it like a 2.2. A 2 2. All right. I, I just wouldn't, I don't think it's memorable. Would not, probably if I had to choose, would
2: not say I would recommend watching this one. Yeah. It's a very forgettable movie. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm kind of surprised a little bit at the lower scores of you guys. Um, I guess I'll, I'll follow up right where you left off, Sauce, in terms of recommendations. Um, this movie was about an hour and 40 minute runtime, about 100 minutes, and it is only available via rental or buying it on prime or something like that. There was no streaming service we could find. So if you're going to want to spend the money and for whatever reason, this movie was 50 cents more than the other rental <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. It was so silly to me. So yeah. I'd almost kind of fall in the same vein and say, I can't really say it's worth your money to, you have to go out and watch this and rent it and something like that. But if it was on, like if you got HBO and it's, running on HBO, I wouldn't say turn it off. You know, I would say if you're interested, give it a watch. Um, I think I like this movie more than you guys, and there's definitely some things that hurt it, but one of the things I liked a lot was kind of the gore. There was pretty decent blood and violence and stuff like that. When when they had, you know, scenes like that that were violent, they were kind of few and far between for the first two acts of the movie, in my opinion, at least. Like, there were some, some cool scenes with uh, Frank and Aiden, you kind of start to learn more and more about their, their household and kind of how things operate currently with them just being locked in a room and Lucas has got to feed them dead animals. And they're very, I think, well portrayed in that. Like they look like, like crackheads. And the whole time you kind of think Frank is just a crackhead and not somebody who's possessed by a demon. So I think that's actually pretty cool. Just all the visuals they're able to accomplish inside the house. The house is very decrepit, but In that same vein, John, you said you liked the scenery a lot. I think the camera work was good, but I did not like the visual effects. I think there was some continuity issues, particularly with the rain. There was a lot of times where they would show it raining, but then they would show a scene where it was clearly either edited in the rain or it was all of a sudden raining harder like within a matter of moments. And a couple of things like that. I actually think the opening shots, some of them seemed like they were not actual dramatic camera shots that they might have just been some sort of cgi effect associated with it so really kind of lost a little bit for me there i wasn't a huge fan of it i liked how they portrayed the oregon area as you know dark run down due to several reasons but at the same time the natural beauty of the mountains and the trees and things like that so that was all good ish um other than that, I really like the Wendigo. I think that's a very cool concept of a monster, and you don't see it too often in horror movies. Um, it's kind of played with a little bit, but the, the Native American aspect that makes sense to me. I think it helped to ground it in reality. It was very brief, and they kind of just threw it in there to, to give it some backstory. And I would have liked to have known more. Yeah, but overall, I do like that they still stay true to that. And I'll, I mean, I'll say it now: like the director actually put in a lot of effort and spoke to like a mythologist and people who were native to try to get like true depictions and how it's actually supposed to be and not just be a Hollywood fantasy type monster. So they tried to make it as realistic of a mythological beast as possible, which I appreciate. Um, And I think it looked pretty cool. There's a couple scenes where they had like a mix CGI plus practical um, effects for the monster that didn't quite deliver. But overall, I think anytime you saw it and it's full value, the Wendigo was really cool look at. Uh, I did actually like the scene, too, where, like, you see it morphing out of Frank's body, and he's kind of just, like, exploding out of him. I actually liked that a lot. And then it kind of cool. does a hard cut to the school or whatever. Big bummer there. Yep. Um, I've said this on this show about two previous movies now, and to a lesser extent for this one, but I think this one could have thrived maybe maybe better as a miniseries. I'm trying not to say this too much, but yeah. – <laughs> You could, you could have gotten some more out of the characters and their backstories and the backstory of the monster, or maybe some flashbacks. So I, I that, that thought crept into my head late in my watch of the movie, and it's hard for me to forget about that. But um, certainly not like other ones I've said before, but it's uh it's definitely something I don't think really kind of worked in an hour and 40 minutes. There was so much going on, and we've talked about how they've just kind of never really addressed certain things, but showed it to us anyway. So. Overall, this movie, I think, is a good movie. And, again, given some circumstances, this movie was actually filmed over the course of two months in 2018, but it didn't, like, release until 2021 or something. So it was yeah. uh, it was COVID kind of happened right as this thing was getting ready to release. So that probably didn't affect too much of the editing or the shooting of the movie, but just, you know, probably lost some luster there in the grand scheme of things. Um, I think whatever IMDB shows it as like a six out of 10 or something. And I think I'm just slightly above that. I'm giving it a 3.1 out of five. And, you know, I just think the movie itself kept me interested enough and it was short enough that I didn't get bored with it and feel like I was checking the time to see when it's going to end. The beginning was a little slow, but it picked up. I did like that. You got some action in between. So, you know, overall, I think this movie was, was good. But, you know, there was some, some severe downfalls, particularly the some of the visual effects and, I guess, some of the acting and the fact that we really got a, a lot of stuff that was left unanswered.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you said a couple of very interesting things there, Chris. Um, first of all, I already took the liberty of changing my favorite scene from the shed scene to the scene where Frank is morphing into the antler creature, into the wendigo. That, actually, I remember thinking to myself was actually a pretty neat scene. Um that is for sure better than the shed scene, in my opinion. Um, so I have made the liberty to change that, and then I'll also touch on the fact that I agree with you that there, the Native American, like the 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 willingness to try to stick to it to a native creature, is pretty admirable. And I think the director set out with the right intention with that. Where I think he made a, a wrong call is making the only Native guy in the movie just be this sort of dude who's there to tell you about the, this is the monster that we have in our culture. That's kind of it. He doesn't really play like, any other role.
2: I feel like we almost maybe forgot about him as a Giuseppe. I mean, he really doesn't have a big role, but he does kind of fit the description yeah. a little bit. He does. I mean, he's, he's
0: sort of like the, the token native guy. Like he right. he's just there to say, this is what our culture believes. This is how it works. And you're supposed to be like, oh shit, whoa. And uh, I would have liked to have seen a little more native, like, influence and aspects to this movie, because I think there was, there was definitely some potential there. I just hate how they fumbled it. So I, I actually, Chris, when I, I looked at my Letterboxd score after I watched this from the first time, I gave it three and a half out of five. And uh, on rewatch, I mean, I dropped it in a full star just because I, I didn't get nearly what I got out of it the first time. So for me, I think this movie is best uh, at best a a decent one-time watch if you're in the mood for a monster flick. I think it's actually a pretty good monster flick. Um, But in general, I just don't like them that much because they often are cheesy or there's some aspect of it that's kind of ridiculous. And with this one, they play it straight. Like There is no comedy whatsoever in this, which hurts it. And I think that could have maybe given it a little bit of levity or some bit of memorability, but... To me, I think it's kind of... I'm like, yeah, I would never rec- I would never watch that again if I didn't have to. I would loosely recommend it to a horror fan or a monster movie fan uh, at best. Um, so now let me do this. I noticed that we, our aggregate now as a podcast for Antlers is a 2.5. So fucking Man. right down the middle. And uh, we have two other movies that are 2.5s. They are um, The Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity. Would you say Antlers is better than either of those two movies?
2: Yeah. You would say Project. so,
0: Chris. Interesting. What about yeah. you, Sauce?
1: I think that I would probably rank a Paranormal Activity Antlers Blair Witch Project in that order. For me, Okay,
0: I would probably put both of those above this one.
2: Wow. Yeah. So we're, we're pretty split here.
0: Yeah, all three of us have, are on different scales of the 2.5. <laughs>
2: um,
1: maybe, maybe I put it at the bottom. Just, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Blair Witch Project was just a tiny bit better. But yeah, That movie pissed me off because there was nothing there. <laughs> a lot of sound effects and tense rattling.
0: It's it's so funny that we're all in agreement that those movies are, are, are mid because they are some of people's favorite movies between Blair Witch and Paranormal, and we just gave antlers in the same ballpark as those two. Yeah. So, all right, well, this is definitely going to be one of our shortest podcasts, No doubt about that. Kind of is a, like you said, Chris, a telltale sign that there's really not a whole lot to talk about in the podcast about this movie. It's, it's very, um, you take it in when you watch it and you don't really say anything. You just kind of, kind of watch it and it's like, all right, that's, that happened. What's next? So, um, yeah, no, like there's really nothing else for me to touch on in this movie. I I'm trying desperately to think of something else to talk about, but
2: there's really John, a big summation of kind of our overall thoughts in the movie itself. So, yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's there, it's out there. Watch it if you feel. I don't know if it's worth the four and a half dollar rental fee that you're going to have to pay because there's nowhere else to find it. Yeah, so you know, do it. there
1: almost two hours of your your day. Yes, it could have definitely
0: been a bit shorter if long, we took on
1: out on the longer side for a movie. They should have just taken out the teacher
0: bullshit. And honestly, I I hate to give it this criticism too, Chris, because I like to do this too, but it may have been best served as a short film. And you kind of get the opening scene, you get a little bit going on with the son, you kind of get his story, and then you sort of accelerate right into, shit, shit, people are dead, this thing's killing people and eating people, and then the scene at the end, and then it's over.
2: I agree. I think this actually has a pretty good format if it cut out a lot of the bullshit that meant nothing to the movie
0: yep yep so kind of a shitty job editing usually if you think that then the editing wasn't great Um. Uh, so yeah that'll 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 do it for for antlers here um i don't think we'll really talk about a movie like this for quite some time i don't really well, think we have
2: too many other monster movies in our marble pool right now we'll have to change that we'll have to maybe give the monsters some more representation within our races yeah we could um, throw some monster movies in there I don't really know don't, any good ones. That's the yeah, problem. I, I don't Maybe, really oh, have any that Cloverfield. good Cloverfield. Throw Cloverfield in there. That's a good point. It's a good Godzilla. one. Stop. That's not a that's not a I, don't, I don't think <laughs> God, a
1: horror movie, though. I think Cloverfield is much more of a yeah, yeah, Cloverfield is a... And it's found, found footage.
2: footage. Yep. Godzilla is just
1: a monster movie.
2: Yeah. Yep. Um, not really horror at all. Let me, uh, let me wrap up the movie real quick with a couple of fun facts from imdb.com. Um, you mentioned that a little while ago, John, that opening narration that is in a native language. That was the Ojibwe language that's still spoken nowadays in some native communities. So just found that interesting. I kind of like that. It got a pretty interesting tone to start the movie of, you know, text on the screen spoken in a different language, very meaningful, poetic type words. So I enjoyed that. Um, the film is actually based on a story called The Quiet Boy written by Nick Anticosta or Antoska. Um, so I don't know if that was like a, a, a story that is just like a novel or a fairy tale, whatever type story. I'm well, I'm assuming at least uh-huh. um, this one. This is my favorite fun fact about the movie. This was filmed in the same location and town as Rambo First Blood. No way. <laughs> just there's a wild coincidence, I guess. But like, wow, I it, such a different movie.
0: Yeah. Is that actually in Oregon or no?
2: Actually I don't know that. That's a good I should okay. look up real quick where this was actually filmed. You would think but yeah. who knows. Um I mentioned this too this movie started filming on the 1st of October in 2018 and finished on November 30th. of 2018, so it took exactly 2 months for them to film. Maybe that shows a little bit wasn't really drawn out. They probably got what they needed and were done. And there was a company called Legacy Effects. They were responsible for creating the practical Wendigo costume creature. And Vancouver based LSFX provided the you know some of the other technical side of it. I don't know if you want to call it CGI or whatever, but kind of didn't really do it for me. So I'm not really gonna give that much credit here. Um that's that's mostly it. There isn't two it? <laughs> items here, but um one of them is really stupid. The the Subaru that Julie drives her vehicle, the license plate on it is just her birthday. Like that's such a dumb thing to put in that a that is movie. ridiculous yeah
0: (laughs) why would you even bother
2: (laughs) yeah so that's uh that's that's all i got really for for antlers we can we can throw this one aside and move on
0: okay so yeah we can talk about our next movie that is going to be a a movie that has been beaten down trampled over ran over with an suv and then backed over by a trailer truck with how many times it's It's a first of all, it's an OG marble, so it has lost twenty consecutive races, and it's lost two poles, meaning people really just don't want to see this. But there is a good friend of ours who goes out, who uh, owns a bar. His name is Dave, that really wants to watch Scream, and uh, we will finally be discussing Scream, the OG Scream, one of the horror eighties. Actually, that's a nineties movie, right? I think that's like early nineties. I think it's. yeah i don't i don't know what year it was made but it's certainly a landmark horror movie for some people um definitely i know i've seen it at the top of favorite horror movie lists probably more than just about any other movie i've ever seen is the original scream movie um it is nineteen
1: ninety six, by the way john yeah 96
0: okay all right so it's a mid-90s movie one of the few mid nineties movies that we actually have covered. It might be one of, I might be the first nineties movie that we've watched to date. If I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, nineties was kind of a bad, a bad time for horror movies in my opinion. Um, but I kind of am excited to talk about scream because, uh, I just know that there's a lot of interest out there. I bet you it'll probably chart well in terms of listeners. People want to tune in and, and they just want to listen to people talk about scream. Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked. Have you guys seen it before?
1: I can't say that I've ever sat down and watched a full watch of Scream. I've definitely seen bits and pieces, but
2: yeah, maybe not a, a full watch. I, I've seen it once before, through and through, but it's been so long that I don't remember really too much, other than some of the main scenes that you know most people will already yeah. know.
0: Yeah, well, if you've seen Scary Movie, you kind of know how Scream goes. That's kind of how I I watch Scary Movie first, and True. then I watch Scream. Um, <laughs> Not to, that may show up in a, in a poll at some point down the line. But um I will say it is uh, we are transitioning to month of June, and uh, I will be doing a takeover poll to come probably after Scream is what I'm thinking, the week after we watch Scream. I think I'm going to get a poll out there, and um, I've been kind of putting it off because I want to make sure. I have a couple ideas for polls. I have three different routes. I can go a serious route and cover some movies that I generally want to watch. And I also have a shit ton of horror movies that I've seen that I really want to get Sauce and Chris to watch and just get their thoughts on. They might be terrible. They might be truly terrible movies that I want them to watch. Um, I'm kind of deciding between those options right now. So um, follow us on Instagram at TheHorrorFiends if you'd like to vote in our polls. I post them right on our stories, and they're up for 24 hours. And whatever one gets the most votes, we will cover it the next week. So um, after Scream, I will probably have one up, and uh, I'll make sure that I tell everybody. Uh, after we record that one, although chances are it probably won't be out by the time uh, that that we release the poll. So um, if you're hearing this anyways, there will probably be another poll set up by that point anyways. So please give us a follow. We are – we're still growing. Um, so if you want to get in and you want to have some influence on what we talk about, definitely place your vote and follow us. Um, is there anything else to cover, Fellers?
2: Or is that just about it? No, I'm about yeah, I'm I'm good here. Um, I told you guys this already, but I turned off my AC in my apartment to avoid any ambient noise and the temperature is just Oh, bright. Chris is
0: being Chris is being sweated out by his apartment. He wants to get antlers over with ASAP. Yeah, and Chris I is ready food. to
2: drink beers.
0: <laughs> Chris needs some hydration. I do. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys next week. Um please be sure to listen to we have twenty five episodes out now. It's a quarter century of horror fiends. We are rapidly closing in on the one year anniversary of of the horror feeds podcast we have 25 episodes out um so stay tuned we're definitely gonna do something fun for the 50th episode and we're absolutely gonna have a fucking blowout for our 100th episode we'll probably be watching hubie
1: halloween (laughs) um so uh thank you for listening and
0: uh go fuck yourself